Well, good morning. Welcome to Women's Bible Study at Redemption Arcadia. So thankful for those of you that have joined us this morning. And I know uh, several folks that normally attend will be listening online this week. And so, and thank you to all of you who are listening online. We appreciate you as well. Uh, we are in week seven of eight weeks of women's Bible studies uh, that are called Jesus and the Women He Loved. And we've been looking at different portraits, snapshots of uh, the interactions that Jesus had with women in the New Testament accounts. And I've been really encouraged by these texts. Uh, missed being with you last week. Super excited that you all had a good week, though. And so I wanted to pray and open up our, our time together with this prayer, um, including, I know uh, Allison uh, seems to have broken a bone in her arm or her wrist, and so she will not be with us this morning. Uh, that happened early this morning. Uh, so we'll pray for her and for others that are not able to join us today, uh, and then for our time together as well. Uh, before I do that, let me note that next week is our last week for this run. Uh, and then there will be uh, upcoming events that our women's leadership team has um, put on the calendar. Uh, the first of those is April 18th, which is a Sunday. There will be a women's lunch, and that'll be uh, just following church uh, right around 12 o'clock. Uh, Stephanie is the point person for that. Thank you, Stephanie Shoemate. And so we appreciate uh, you uh, being the point person for that. And so if you are interested in more info about that, talk with Stephanie. She'll, she'll be coming out with more information on that. Um, next week after our women's Bible study, there will be a women's leadership team meeting. And so if any of you are interested in that that haven't yet uh, wanted to participate, feel free to, to let us know and, and come to that. But that'll be um, just after the, the Bible study next Thursday so that we can continue to plan for events for summer and fall as well. And then I'm going to get out of the way and, and uh, be really excited that God has raised up the women, women's leadership team the way that he has with you all. So thank you for that. Uh, one last thing, uh, Stephanie Perot brought uh, snacks today, so we're so thankful for that, for snacks and drinks, and uh, wanted to say thank you for that as well. Let's pray. Lord God, we're so thankful that you allow for us uh, to gather together with you and with each other. Uh, and in the world where uh, outrage can increasingly be our posture, we want to instead have a posture of rest in you and obedience and trust in you and praise for you. And so we pray that you would be glorified in our time today in uh, all of the elements of what we're doing in the scripture and in the prayer time and discussion and worship and teaching. God, we pray that you'd be glorified in all of these things. And even in the, the fun fellowship and, and, and snacks and drinks, God, we're just thankful for the opportunity, all of these things. Pray that you'd be glorified. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, let's stand uh, and we'll do this uh, opening scripture. This is Psalm 150. Uh, last week when I was in Nashville, I spent a lot of time in Psalm 149. We wrote a song out of Psalm 149, which was a ton of fun. And uh, I, as I went forward to Psalm 150, I thought that this would be a great opening praise for us to read together. So let's praise the Lord through this reading. Praise God in his sanctuary. 
Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Malia, would you lead us in worship? Ashamed I hear my mom 
thank you for the last six weeks. I pray for the next couple weeks that you just help us to finish strong, um, that you would continue to work through um, what Tyler and Allison and Steph are going to share with us. Um, I just thank you that you fill the gaps um, for our weakness and you say um, your strength is made perfect in our weakness. God, as we move through um, all these healings and the way that you meet these women um, in the places that they are, that you don't ask them to be more or to do more, but you just ask them to come before you and to believe. And so I pray that we would just come before you on our knees um, and believe you um, and leave all the things that we want to bring with us at the door. Um, I thank you for who you are. Um, I pray for our time together this morning. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Malia, for leading us in worship. And um, let's also, let's pray for the the folks that are that are not here with us t- uh, this morning, God, we do pray for Allison and her broken bone. Um, we pray that you would uh, restore um, the health of that of, of her arm, her wrist. Um, that that as she's at the doctors, that um, you give them wisdom to be able to appropriately uh, treat her. Uh, we pray for those that are out uh, sick, Lord, and and. Um, also, Lord, those that are that are working hard at jobs uh, right now that um, that can't be here at this specific time, we also want to pray for those folks. And and Lord, for for each of us in this room today, we we thank you that it is healing to be uh, with you and uh, to be with each other. That by your Spirit, uh, Lord, there are ways that you are knitting us back together um, because of the time that we have with you. And so we pray that that would be true, uh, even even today, uh, with those of us that are that are here with you and those that are that are listening, Lord, that you, you by your Spirit, uh, would be um, healing um, in ways that we need healing. And so we pray that that would uh, be something that your Spirit would accomplish in us today, um, whether that's a, a, a physical thing or a mental thing or an emotional thing, a relational thing, a spiritual thing, God, that you would be working to heal us, um, just as just as you do uh, in, in, in these scriptures, Lord, that you have for us um, something better than what sin and death and, and the devil and the destruction offer and what this world offers, Lord. So we, let us fix our eyes on you and would you be glorified in us, your church today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, friends, we are in Luke 13, uh, verses 10 to 17. For those listening, and even for those of you here, um, my name's Tyler. I'm the pastor of Worship and Communities, and I really love Redemption uh, Church and Redemption Arcadia, and I'm thankful to be able to serve the Lord here with you all and be a part of the staff here. It's a great staff team at Redemption Arcadia and thankful to be able to serve. This is about the woman who was bent over double. And um, another way of saying this, in, in some of the translations, it says the woman that is with a disabling spirit. So there's something about an attack here of the enemy of Christ, of, of Satan and, and his demons that is causing this woman to be disabled. Um, and uh, when, I, when I read this text, uh, there's actually a particular woman in my mind that I used to see all of the time uh, in Southern California uh, at, at um, 
intersections, off the road, uh, at coffee shops, uh, a, a particular woman that I would see over and over and over again that was bent over double. And uh, so, so there's sort of like a very tangible thing in my mind here. And I'm thankful for that because sometimes as I, as I read scripture and study scripture, there can be things that are very disconnected to me. Um, oh, I've never experienced uh, an interaction with a person like this. Uh, I'm thankful for this passage because there, because there is somebody in my mind specifically that I've, that I've encountered that, that is like this. And I think sometimes what that does is it, it causes us to um, read the scripture with a fresh set of eyes because it sort of becomes more real to us. And there's a way that the, the, the words kind of jump off the page and it becomes less of an academic or an intellectual thing and much more of a real experiential kind of thing, right? Um, I was reading scripture this week with, with um, my friend Clark and, and we were reading about um, a town called Beersheba. And uh, he, he said, is that, a, is that a town that's still there today? And I said, yeah, yeah, it is. And so we looked on a, a map of Israel and we, we, we zoomed out and we saw where that, where that town was. And there's something about placing the words of God into our real life time and space that I think is very helpful to us. Anybody, anybody feel that way also? Yeah. So um, this is another person who has a need for Jesus, for his salvation, for his healing, uh, for, sometimes for his correction and his rebuke, just like we do consistently. Now, in my interactions with the woman that I knew that was bent over double, I didn't ever see her healing. Um, in fact, uh, she was oftentimes um, mentally in a place where she couldn't have a conversation. Um, and it broke my heart because she was um, outcast in a way that many of these women that we've been looking at in these scriptures have been outcast. And so to see Jesus' heart for the outcast again is just a, a very meaningful reminder for us that we too were outcast and that Jesus brought us in and that we want to be having our lives open to the outcast, um, just as you just brought us in. And so I just wanted to share that little personal note on this passage, because I do think that when we're connecting the scriptures to the reality of our everyday life, there, there's something where the spirit of God uses the word of God in order to inform our situation in, in the current time and space that we have. So that happened for me in this passage. Uh, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. This is verse 10 in Luke 13. Uh, an interesting note there by, by David Guzik is that Jesus was still invited to teach in the, in the synagogues, even though there was a lot of opposition by this point. So remember early in our studies, um, several weeks ago, th there's not a crowd following him yet. And in fact, he's trying to sort of keep it from the crowd following him because he knows that when the crowd starts to follow him, he'll be opposition and that'll lead to his death. And he knows exactly when he needs to go to his death. 
at this point, the opposition has started to form, but he's still getting invitations to go teach in the synagogue, which is, I, I love that because even the opposition against Christ didn't keep him from the ministry that he had from the Father. So he's teaching still in the synagogues, and he's teaching on the Sabbath. Again, it's important that it is the Sabbath, because Sabbath was the day of rest, and there were all kinds of um, legitimate direction from the Lord about the Sabbath, and then also man-made instruction on top of that. Does that make sense? So Sabbath had sort of this foundational instruction from the Lord to rest, uh, like the Lord rested on on the seventh day, we are to rest and to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. These are these are laws from the Lord that are um, that are legitimate. And then there's a bunch of rules that get put on top of that that are that are more tradition, right? That never happens with us today, right? Never at all. We of course still do this, where we'll take instruction from the Lord, and then we'll put on top of it our, our additional rules. Uh, if uh, A way of thinking about this uh, with the Pharisees is that if it was, uh, say, say my mask right there, right? The mask that I was just wearing and that I've now taken off to speak. Uh, that mask, say if the rule from the, the Lord was don't touch the mask, um, the, that's a legitimate rule. That's a, law, a legitimate law. Uh, and, and so I won't touch the mask. But what the Pharisees did is that they put a bunch of rules on top of that. They said, well, then I'm not even going to get anywhere near that mask because I want to I, I make sure that I don't touch that mask. And then what the Pharisees did is that they, they would actually uh, call people out on breaking the man-made rule, even if the people were not breaking the God-made rule. Does that make sense? And so there's something that here that, that we tend to do this also. We'll take the, 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 the law of the Lord and we'll be legalistic about it. We'll put our own rules on top of it. And that we become actually more concerned about the rules that we've made than about the rules that, that God had. We become more, more intent in following our rules and desires than the ones, the heart of what God has actually said. And Jesus sees this over and over again with the Pharisees. That, that people are trying to catch him on their own addition to the heart of his rule. Uh, but obviously, the word of God, Jesus is the word of God, and so he's not going to be caught in, in these kinds of trap, traps. Verse 11, And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. Uh, just a note on that, a couple of weeks ago, the woman uh, had, had, had an affliction for 12 years, 18 is more than that. Um, if math is it serves me correctly, I'm not a mathematician. But 18 years is a, a really long time, again, to be dealing with something like this. Um, <laughs> Charlotte is nine, and when she's 18, uh, she has already talked about wanting to go to college. And so I'm halfway there, and I'm amazed um, both at how how short that is and how long that is. It's, it's, it's both. So the reason that is is because over a time, how time works, right? Over a time period like that, uh, and I feel this way about the pandemic also. Like I, feel like, it, I feel like it's been forever, but it's also only been about a year. Um, the way that that works, we, 
we recall certain memories from how these things go, and there's certain times where where it feels like time is going fast and at certain times where it feels like time is going slow. You all have experienced this. This is not something that um, is just isolated to certain folks. This woman has been struggling for 18 years, and I imagine, I imagine that there's some of that that has felt like an eternity. And then there's some of that that has also felt like, well, just yesterday when she started to be afflicted in this way. Does that make sense? And if you think about it sort of in the terms of the pandemic also, it does sort of feel like, just like yesterday when we locked down for the first two weeks. Um, but it also feels like forever ago because so many things have happened in, in the midst of it. She probably remembers very clearly sort of that moment when the devil was able to ensnare her in a way that began to disable her. She can probably recall that very, very clearly. And I don't know if there are things that you have struggled with um, where you can go back to that moment in an instant and think about how that started. Um, Maybe it's coming to your mind. Maybe you all are perfect, which if you are, that's so cool. Uh, I'm happy for you. Uh, (laughs) But I can remember certain points in my life where things like this have happened, where I can remember that that is where the devil got a foothold. That is where the enemy came in and, and, and put a wedge between me and Jesus. That is where the enemy came in and put a wedge between my sister and me. My sister and I are doing fine. I, but, but, but you understand what I'm saying. The Lord, um, the Lord can, can help us by his spirit recall and have insight and discernment as to when the devil actually put that wedge in between us and what's right. Right? You with me? I think she remembers this even though it's 18 years later. And I'm, and I'm reading into this text a little bit here. But I'm putting myself in her shoes. I think that she remembers that moment. Um, she had been bent over and could not fully straighten herself out for 18 years. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your disability. Uh, and, I, and again, I love this, that, that Jesus calls her out, just like he's called us out. Um, he has, and by his words he is able to change reality. Um, Jesus' words, God's words created reality in the, first per, in the first place. Let there be light. There was light. He's created reality in the first place. His words still create reality today, but it's his words that do, not ours. So Jesus saw her, called over and said to her, you're freed from your disability. And I love this. He lays his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. So it feels like there's two steps here, right? The woman you are freed from your disability were words. It, to me, it, it seems like that was his dismissal of the spirit, his dismissal of the spirit that was causing her the disability. And then when he came and he laid his hands on her, there was the healing of the being bent over, the physical healing, which I think is a, a fascinating thing. He got rid of the root of the cause first, which was that there was this spirit that was tormenting this, this woman. Now, I don't believe that the woman was possessed. I, I, I don't think that there's indication here that, that, that the woman was, was possessed by the spirit uh, for a couple of reasons. One, and Spurgeon will say this in a moment, but 
Jesus didn't tend to lay his hands on things that were on anybody that was possessed by a devil. There was not ever a time in the New Testament where Jesus actually laid his hands on somebody that was possessed by a devil. Um, his holiness and the evil there are not going to mix, right? Uh, but two, I think also because there is this distinction here between what he said and what he did, where he said that you are freed from your disability and the spirit goes, um, although the scripture doesn't say that explicitly, I believe the distinction between how him saying it and then him laying the hands on her, there was the spiritual healing and then the physical healing in this case. That's interesting because oftentimes it was, it was the it was the other way around in terms of God using physical healing to uh, physical healing to get to the spiritual matters. Right here, Jesus goes first towards the the the, the spiritual. You're freed. Um, you're being released spiritually, and then He physically heals her with with the laying on the hands. I love that Jesus was not afraid to to be physical. Right? He was not afraid then to, to touch in order to make clean. Just one note real quick on cleanliness and, and dirtiness. Um, again, like we use the example of the mask, the, the understanding in that time frame was that if I touched something that was holy, I would die. If I touched something that was dirty, I would become dirty. Right? So the... the the non-touching was, I'm not going to touch something that's holy because I'll, I'll be struck down. I'm not going to touch something that's dirty because I too will become dirty. Jesus um, was willing to touch something dirty because when Jesus touches something dirty, the dirty becomes clean. It doesn't make Jesus dirty. It makes the dirty thing clean, right? I'm so thankful for that because I need Jesus to touch me and I need, you, I need Jesus to make me clean. And so he's done this by, by touching the woman and speaking to her. He has freed her both spiritually and physically. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, and again, I love that it's immediate. Um, I don't know how many of you are, are huggy people, uh, but I do miss hugs. I really do. I feel like one of the things that has diminished over the last year is hugs. And I understand it. We, we don't want to get each other sick. I understand it. Um, and there's a lot of instruction in scripture to lay hands on one another in prayer, to greet each other with a kiss. There's a lot of instruction in, in scripture for God's people to be affectionate with one another in a way that is appropriate. And I love that Jesus does this in certain times and places where he'll put hands on people. Um, Jesus models that sort of appropriate affection that God's people can have with one another. Where he's unafraid about being made dirty and instead is willing to make the dirty clean. I appreciate all that. Listen to what Spurgeon says. This is Charles Spurgeon. He says, he must have, he being um, Satan... He must have bound her very cunningly to make the knot hold all that time, for he does not appear to have possessed her. You notice in reading the evangelist that our Lord never laid his hand on a person possessed with a devil. Satan had not possessed her, but he had fallen upon her once upon a time 18 years before and bound her up as men tie a beast in its stable. And she had not been able to get free all that while. Um, Spurgeon has a really good way with words in, in understanding, uh, in helping us to understand what's happening in a situation. 
In other words, the devil had gotten a foothold in that had become something that was binding for the woman over, over time. The wedge became something that became binding and, and then held all of this time. And I don't know, again, if there's something that you have in your life um, felt bound by. But in those situations, we need for God's freedom. And it's the only thing that's going to bring us freedom is to have Jesus free us of the binding. Um, so Frank asked on Sunday, what are you yoked to? There's a similar idea here as being bound. Is that if we are bound or yoked to something, that means that we're unable to get free of it or that we are, or we are slaves to that thing. And we don't want actually to be slaves to anything other than Christ. We do indeed want to be mastered by Christ. Our small group was looking at Ecclesiastes 4 this week. And there's all kinds of talk there about oppressor and oppressed. And how both have been bound. Even the one who is in power that has, um, has bound the oppressed is themselves bound by power, the devil, greed, these kinds of things. Unless we are bound to the Lord, we're going to be bound by something else. Yeah? Woo! God is good. He's a good. He is a good father, and he is a good master. Spurgeon also says this, he might have called to her from a distance, he, this time he being Jesus, he might have called to her from a distance and said, be healed, but he did not, for he wished to show his special sympathy with such a sad case of suffering. In other words, he, he did want to single her out and show special care to her. I think with that, there are times where we're going to want to show special care above and beyond to certain folks that we know need it. We want to have our eyes open for who are the folks that need special care in our, in our spheres of influence so that we can go out of the way to show this kind of special care for people. Verse 14, but the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. Um, <laughs> it's, funny, it's funny that they are actually saying to the people, what's wrong with you that you want to be healed on the Sabbath? <laughs> I want to be healed on any day, right? I don't care what day it is. I want to be healed on any day. It's been 18 years. I don't, I don't care which day of the week it is. I want to be healed, right? That was, a, that was a place where the people were putting extra rules, extra rules on top. Um, how dare you want to be healed on the Sabbath? And I think there are times that we do this also where we where we, we look past the need of the person and we say, um, but you're breaking our rules. So the, it's, also it's also interesting that they, the, uh, the ruler of the synagogue says this not to Jesus, but to the people. So the ruler is not bold enough to talk to Jesus about this. The ruler wants to talk to the people about this. He, he, he doesn't confront Jesus. He confronts the people that are following Jesus. Um, which is, I think, hilarious. And so in verse 15, the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, do, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water? 
Ought, and ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Uh, in other words, I have seen the way that you care for your animals. Should not much more this woman be taken care of? And I think that's right. There are, I think there are times, even today, where we see more outrage for animals than we do see for human beings. Um, Jesus is saying here, how much more ought we to take care of this woman? So if you're willing to untie your ox or your donkey, again, Jesus is always pointing towards the spirit of the law, right? He's not, he's not pointing toward the legalism of the law or making sure all the, all the, all the man's rules are followed. He's pointing to the spirit that's behind the law that he, that the God instituted in the first place. And so he's saying, how much more should we take care of this woman? And isn't the Sabbath day actually, you can read that as saying, as, as hearing, isn't the Sabbath day the right day for this freedom to come? In other words, I have, I've given the Sabbath for this purpose so that people might find their rest in me. I love that. Um, and it makes me think about how we oftentimes miss this invitation to Sabbath with God. We oftentimes miss this invitation from God to rest in him um, because we're so busy going with things. The next thing that we have to do. So uh, David Guzik says this, Jesus gave several compelling reasons why it was apparently appropriate to show her mercy and more appropriate than helping a distressed animal. She was a woman made in the image of God, and because a woman and not a man, worthy of more care and concern. Guzik is not saying there that, that uh, a woman is more needy than a man, but, uh, but Guzik is saying here that we want to honor and dignify that she is a woman, made in the image of God. Uh, am, animals are not made in the image of God, but men and women are, no less, no more than each other. And Guzik is making the point here that he believes Jesus is saying, as a person made in the image of God, we must show honor and concern and compassion. So that goes for everybody. Everybody. There's not a person in the world who is not made in this image of the Lord and, and so worthy of care and concern. Sometimes people do not want to receive care and concern, but that's another, that's another talk. She was a daughter of Abraham, a Jewish woman with a covenant and connection to Abraham. This may also indicate that she was a woman of faith as well as her attendance at a synagogue. So being a daughter of Abraham, that means that she was in line in the lineage of Abraham. Remember, God made the covenant with Abraham saying, I will bless you and your your offspring, you will, you'll have many offspring. And, and there was the indication that through God's, through Abraham's line would come a blessing for all nations. And so this woman is a, is, is in this line, in this lineage, probably a woman of faith, uh, because she's coming to the synagogue as well. She was one whom Satan had bound, and every day is a good day to oppose the work of Satan and to set his free as captives. I love that. That's what we said before. I don't care what day it is. I, I, want, I want to be healed. And, and I like that phrase, every day is a good day to oppose the work of Satan and to set his captives free. Right? Today's a good day, too. 
She was afflicted for 18 years long enough to suffer greatly and to draw forth the compassion of Jesus and, and others. In other words, if it, if it wasn't an emergency today, when was it an emergency? It's been 18 years. It's, a, it's an emergency today. It's already been too long. So we can't wait any more days. I love the, this breakdown that Guzik gives us about Jesus' argument here and unpacking what Jesus has said in response to the, the leader of the synagogue. In other words, God created the Sabbath specifically so that we might find rest in him. And it is as good a day as any other. In fact, it might be the exact appropriate day to release a captive who has been in, in bondage for 18 years. Today is the day of salvation. And that goes not only for this woman, but for all of us as well. And whatever it is that you might be thinking through that you've been bound by, Jesus has an opportunity even today for you to find rest in him. Now we were praying also on Tuesday night at um, our small group that, that sometimes God removes the situation and sometimes God changes us in the situation, right? So it's not always that we pray and God just changes our situation. There are times that God works in our hearts and teaches us in the situation. And that's hard and that's difficult. Uh, we also had last night a, a, a forum, a question and answer that Frank gave. It was a hard night, but it was a good night. And there's times when God teaches us in the midst of difficult situations. And I'm thankful for that as well. Verse 17, as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. In other words, um, Jesus, just by speaking truth, was able to put to shame the people that were opposing him. Just by, put, just by speaking truth. He didn't have to go beyond that into uh, force or, or a physical confrontation or name-calling, or any kind of other shaming device. He, he, just by speaking the truth, the opposition was, was put to shame. And I appreciate that model as well, because I know that there are times that I'm, I am tempted, and, and sometimes I give in to going beyond just speaking the truth clearly, where I may result to any of these other devices um, emotional manipulation or, or name calling or, um, or <laughs> in, in my younger years, physical, <laughs> I still have a scar here on my, on my knuckle from when I hit a guy with glasses. Uh, it, I was in like second grade. <laughs> so from second grade to now, I, re I have this memory of, of resorting to physical violence, hitting a kid in, in the playground. Um, it's a good reminder for me that I don't have to, resor I don't have to resort to that. I mean, I, that's something that I, I learned as a seven-year-old. You know what I mean? Like, and there's a reminder ever since a seven-year-old. Like, I don't have to resort to things beyond, um, beyond speaking the truth in love, which is what Jesus did. And I think that's especially helpful for us in our climate and cultural context now we we speak the truth in love and it's it's sometimes difficult to know how to do that but that's what jesus did and so that's what we want to do as well 
So they were put to shame and, and, and then all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. That, that line has worship written all over it. That, that rejoicing in response to what Jesus had said and done is what we do when we worship. That we are, that we are praising him for all the glorious things that he's, who, for who he is, what he said, what he's done. And I love that the people, in, in essence, they worshiped him as a result of what, what happened here. So I want to give you some thoughts that, that Allison had offered. Um, she sent me her notes, knowing that she was going to have to go to the doctor to, to work, have the doctor work on her broken bone. Um, but she sent me some of her notes, and I just wanted to give you some, some of her thoughts uh, before we have discussion. And these were, these were I thought, some helpful, helpful notes for her, and you have some of them there. Um, part of the focus of this passage is that it's dealing with who the Sabbath is for. So the reason that this happens on the Sabbath is that it's an indication that the Sabbath is made for the people of God to find rest in God. And we still find, uh, we still struggle to find this rest because we're caught up with, with even good things that bind us. So there are, there are labors, there are work, there are, there are relationships, there are desires, there are hopes, there are dreams, there are difficulties. We find a hard time resting because we're bound by these things. And oftentimes we'll turn to self-help or wisdom of people rather than to Christ himself. And, I, and part of what's being shown here is that we, we don't want to strive in these things, but rather we want to find our rest. And it's only possible if we understand what God made the Sabbath for, which was to meet the needs of people and not for us to have to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So uh, there's other scriptures you can look at there in Hebrews 4, 11, and in Mark 2, 27, uh, that, that indicate uh, this rest that was intended from the Lord. And so in Sabbath, we rest from trying to be self-sufficient from trying to put together all of the things uh, on our own, by our own strength. But God meets us in his ways for his purposes and for his glory. And this, is, this also gives us a foretaste of what heaven's like. Sabbath, Sabbath gives us a foretaste of what's, what heaven will look like as we rest in the Lord. So this passage is bringing forth these truths. Um, and, and there are some specific things for us to consider uh, Part of this, I'll let you discuss at your tables. Um, but the synagogue leader was what was, quote, unquote, an indignant hypocrite. Someone who had been indignant about the rules, but maybe didn't follow them himself, <laughs> even himself. Didn't understand the spirit of the law, was focused on, the, on the, the, the legality of the law. And so as a result, got really upset and passionate about the rules but was a hypocrite because didn't actually understand the heart of the rules themselves. And so Jesus uh, is, comes as someone who is confronting this approach to the law and to the Sabbath day. So they're, so they're not only for the healing for the woman here, but there's also a confrontation for the, for the synagogue leader because of this indignant hypocrisy. Um, One of the things that Allison pointed out here is that this, when we come to Christ in this posture, there's a need for us to, to repent of this posture. 
And so uh, Romans 2.4 says the kindness of God is meant to lead us to repentance. And I think that, that that's a good note here for us, that we actually, um, as God is kind to us, it does reveal our need to repent. And so we don't want to be an indignant hypocrite in this way. Instead, we want to have God's kindness lead us to repentance. There's also an, an indication here that there are things in our own lives that, that, that do bind us on a regular basis. Allison brought up Ephesians 5. Um, and, and the idea that, that, uh, that there are various things that we actually um, be, can become bound by, even as Christians... We might not be possessed, we're not going to be possessed by a devil, but we might be afflicted by a devil and bound by things. Uh, Ephesians 5 says, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as proper and as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous or an idolater, Idolater has no inheritance in the kingdom of God, Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Uh, because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take part, no part in the unfruitful works of the darkness, but instead expose them. For it's, it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But whenever anything is exposed to by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand that the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, and giving thanks always, and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. It's a long passage, and you might look at it again later. Uh, the idea is, is that there are these things that are, are possible to bind us, and that, that the Lord knows this possibility, and Paul writes to warn us of the possibility of these things being things that bind us. And rather, we want to be walking in, in the light and walking in the righteousness of the Lord. Uh, one last thing that, that, that Allison mentioned that I just want to mention to you before we discuss, and that is that uh, this daughter of Abraham idea uh, means that the, the Lord has given us this lineage uh, and, and uh, has had us loosed from bonds. Uh, there is a throwback there um, that, and this is, Allison didn't write this, but I'll just say this. Um, Isaac was the daughter, uh, Isaac was the son of Abraham. Right, and Isaac bound up, or Abraham bound up Isaac, uh, in, and and was going to offer him as a sacrifice. Hebrews tells us that Abraham actually believed that God would raise him from the dead, and so there's a there's a a, a pointing forward from Abraham, um, and then now a looking back to Abraham that is saying that God is the only one that that loosens us us from our from our binding, and I really appreciate that as as well. Um, so, uh, Allison's wanting us to understand our identity as people, uh, as daughter of, uh, of Abraham, as a daughter of Abraham, that, that faith would come from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, meaning that he's the only way that we're loosened from our, bound, uh, from our binding. 
So we want to study God's word. We want to uh, celebrate and rejoice back as a result of what God has said and who he is and what he's done. And acknowledge that who the son has set free is free indeed. John 8, 8 uh, 32 to 36 indicates that we have been set free uh, and we don't actually want to go back to our bindings. But we want to live in that freedom and in that rest with the Lord. So there's some thoughts uh, from Allison. Allison, thanks for those. Um, we want to, at this point, allow for some time at the tables to discuss and to pray. And so why don't you begin by discussing and then turn to prayer uh, after that. And then I'll close our time at 1030 with a, with a last prayer. Um, but let me pray also now for the discussion time. God, thank you for your word and the way that it does um, lead to faith, uh, that, we, we, that faith is instilled in us by your word. And so we thank you for your spirit, for opening our eyes to your word. We pray that you would allow for us to live in freedom and live without being bound up by you, that you'd be glorified uh, in us and the lives that you have uh, freed us to. I pray now, even as um, there's a discussion and prayer at the tables, that you'd be glorified in the midst of that as well. pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.